In five weeks, 100,000 British forces will strike Sicily's southern shore. Unfortunately, the Nazis know of our intentions. So we're going to play a humiliating trick on Hitler. <laughs> we have to convince Germany that our target is Greece. The plan begins in Spain, where a corpse will wash up on shore bearing classified letters. A corpse carrying fake documents. Given the fascist network there, we could quite literally float the documents right into enemy hands. Prime Minister, that's too big a risk. The fate of the world is at stake. The plan is highly implausible. So when can it be ready? Well, what say we start with the easy part and find ourselves a corpse? The thing is, the Germans have scrutinized at every detail of our fallen man. Where are his legs? He must be as real as you or I. He would carry a letter from his wife professing her deep love for him. Very good. And he would carry her photograph. My contribution to the mission for a seat at the table. Although, what if the autopsy reveals he didn't die of drowning? Or if the briefcase is returned to us without the Germans seeing its contents? Charles, why on earth do you keep poking holes in our plan? I'm preemptively poking. Success depends on guiding the papers into Hitler's hands. The nightmare marching this way is only too real. And the Spanish won't let the Germans anywhere near our briefcase. We are in the dark. If the enemy is waiting for us on those beaches, history herself will avert our eyes from the slaughter. I may vomit. I may vomit with you. In stories of war, there is that which is seen and that which is hidden. In God's name, Fleming, what are you writing? Spy story. In the hidden war, the truth is protected by a bodyguard of lies. Its soldiers unseen. Pray. Its heroes unsung. This is our war. So, John, uh, thank you for taking the time to sit down with me today. No, no problem. Not delighted. So uh, one thing that I really uh, enjoyed about Operation Mincemeat was just the sense of, I suppose, impending doom that's omnipresent throughout the entire film. Like the characters, they have no idea how the war is going to go, but we, the audience, do. So in that way, how did you play with tension, especially with a historical event that we know the outcome of? Okay, well, that's a very interesting question. So I just have to bounce one question back at you. I mean, obviously, we know who won the war, uh, but the equally this this um, I mean, I couldn't say I could trade on this, but the this is a relatively unknown aspect of how that war unfolded. And it happened at a very critical moment, obviously, where um, essentially the, the, the necessity of getting a foothold back in um, Europe was obviously the next thing that had to happen. Uh, and, you know, the specific oddness of the idea that they developed to, to try and uh, uh, navigate that difficult moment where, you know, they were at maximum vulnerability because, you know, they needed to kind of get across that sea and get some people, some boots on the ground, uh, meant that it was cr crucial and critical. And the answer is, if it hadn't worked, we probably would know about it. Um, because of the nature and scale of the disaster. 
Um, but the fact that we don't know about it that well also possibly means that an audience is not quite sure exactly what happened or how it happened. So the job for me as a filmmaker, as a storyteller, or for us really with the whole thing, was to take the audience into a situation where they think they know the outcome. I, I've specifically prevented either Netflix or Warner Brothers who, who distribute, well, not the, they're not the only distributors, but to try and head people off, you know, um, uh, an event that changed the course of World War II. And I insisted that it should be couched as that hoped to change the course of the war um, because that's the situation the characters are in. They don't know whether this idea is going to work. Uh, they think it will work. They're supremely confident about it, almost cocky about it, and almost playful about it uh, to begin with. And then, as the you know the, the 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 demands that are made on them to try and validate every aspect of the story, to tear the you know the the ticket in exactly the right way, that you couldn't argue that it wasn't real. And and yes, there was a performance playing that night. And yes, uh, you know he went with his paramour and so on and so forth. All of that made them feel more and more confident until they lost their way in their own fiction and then lost control of the story as well. And you quite correctly refer to the thing that's most important to me, really, which is that the audience starts to forget what the stakes are very early on because it's almost comedic in its first, you know, uh, unfolding. Uh, and then actually the sort of really alarming and terror-inducing reality is that, that this has the potential to go so catastrophically wrong. And right down to the last moment, which is where the film begins, of course, um, you don't really know, they don't know. Ian Fleming, who's writing the story that we're watching, or an account of it anyway, an early attempt at uh, storytelling, um, he doesn't know either. Nobody does know. So, it, because you're involving people in a specific story, they become completely engaged with the stakes that the characters are engage, engaged in. It's not about, oh, wait a minute, we didn't win the war. I thought we did, you know. <laughs> it's actually about what happened in that situation. And suddenly the data is not there and not available because people don't necessarily know about it. And, and, I, and all it really is is a dramatization of what war offers you all the time, which is these sort of, massive reversals and tiny stories sometimes that are just so overwhelming um, and in the larger scope of things take on a significance you can only see in retrospect so uh, but the tension is entirely about that and and it was always my hope that you could tell a story in which the the tension snuck up on you um, that uh, you know the pleasures and interests of the film, it, such as it has, are, are of a certain kind, but they're not necessarily. It's not a thriller from the get-go. It, it's it's a story about you know it's a film about storytelling for quite a long time, and then it becomes one that has an emotional and even romantic dimension. I mean, not romantic exactly, because then it really wasn't realize what's happening to them, but but they get lost in their own fiction, let's put it that way. And emotionally that starts to shape the story and so on and so forth. And then gradually, the even by the time we get to the third act and they have to launch the body, the, the preposterousness of what can go wrong and does go wrong 
becomes funny again until suddenly you realize, oh, this is not funny at all. Um, this is all we've got to go on now. And it doesn't look like it's necessarily going to work. And then, you know, and then the film gives way to dread, to, to fear and, and a sort of existential uncertainty and doubt that starts to unravel <coughs> the people that we've been involved with and put them against each other and so on. So, so that, I, that's a good shape for a film, I think. It, you know, uh, something where, where, you know, classically we're supposed to say, we know what kind of movie this is, is this kind of movie, now we'll show it you happening. I like movies the way you say, this is, this is what this movie is, but I actually don't really know quite what this movie is, but am I enjoying it? Am I engaged in it? Well, am I going along for the ride? And now it's doing things to me that I wasn't expecting. And you're not even aware of that process happening. You're just, your engagement becomes deeper. And then it ends up being a thriller. Yes, it ends up being a, a gripping story because you've engaged people in all the things they need to be engaged in and understanding exactly what the stakes are. Perfect. This is actually the perfect bridge uh, to my next question. Um, okay. What is your favorite thing about making a period piece? Um, you know, there's a, there's a through the keyhole quality, I suppose. I mean, this one is particularly interesting from that point of view, because it's not a world we ever really see. I mean, we know spy movies, but, uh, you know, second world war intelligence was so much about a different thing. It's really was about, you know, narrative control and, and disinformation. Of course, now that's become primarily what wars are about um particularly the current one but uh, but it but it was about really um the business of trying to confuse and 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 uh, disinform by way of gaining an advantage militarily speaking um and and the hidden war which is what we how we articulate the idea um is a very particular kind of keyhole to look through and and actually that world is quite amazingly well documented. Uh, you know, they're one of the chief tourist attractions is an underground one in, the, in London, which is the Churchill War Rooms, where I actually have to go in about an hour uh, for a, um, uh, you know, a discussion about, about all of this. So that, that's interesting. I, I also found it very interesting in this case about a part of the war that you never really hear about. I mean, if you think about London, as a setting in wartime, you're gonna think about uh, rubble and bombs and battles of Britain and uh, Dunkirk and you know these kind of things, but not this place where 1943, where the war is four years old, it's I suppose evolving, but the balance of, of where the war is is still very uncertain. It's happening a long way away. No bombs are falling on London. London is cloaked in darkness. Um, people are eking out, a, a, you know, a, a kind of life uh, and finding ways of entertaining themselves. All that seems very interesting and unusual um, and actually gives texture to the film because so much of it is in a sort of monochromatic, claustrophobic zone. Um, but, you know, I'm not... I don't, I don't pursue uh, uh, period pieces per se. Uh, this is just such an extraordinary story. It felt like a very interesting one to make. Um, it's kind of exciting for me actually to make a film 
that is exclu almost exclusively London-based. I mean, not entirely, obviously. But um, uh, that was enjoyable. I haven't done that since Shakespeare in Love, I suppose. But that was a, a hard one to sort of take advantage of, of uh, locations in the same way. Um, so, but, uh, but any, any part of history has something to tell us about particularly ones in this period. It's not for nothing that that has provided so much material, dramatically speaking, because the stakes are so high. And it was so incredibly significant in the way of reorganizing uh, the structures of, of the way people live with one another. So, uh, you know, that's a sort of quick resume, but I, it's, it's not to say that I, I always want to make period movies. I don't necessarily, but I, I certainly, I find the recreation of a world interesting and very challenging. And we've got some very expert people, you know, in the business. I mean, production design, brilliant production designer, brilliant cinematographer. Uh, it was just wonderful creating all of that. Absolutely. Well, uh, thank you very much for taking the time to join me, John. I really, really, really appreciate it. Uh, and, uh, thank you all out there for watching. Uh, and uh, yeah, Operation Mincemeat is on Netflix on May 11th. So thank you once again, John, and have a good one. Thank you.